Okay, so this morning we are going to continue our series on the righteousness of God, understanding the righteousness of God. So last week we were actually going from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and we're going to continue that, um, that series. So uh, last week we went through what righteousness is, right? Uh, we talked about, just a little recap, uh, why we need it and how the people of God received righteousness before Christ came on earth. So we see that in the Old Testament, before Christ came, righteousness was dependent upon following the law. So it was always, if this, then that, right? Um, uh, even in Ezekiel, uh, kind of says it very well. Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 5 to 9. It's always, but if a man is just and does what is lawful and right, if he has not eaten, if he has not lifted up his eyes, uh, not defiled his neighbor's wife, not approached a woman during her impurity, it's always, if, if he doesn't do these things, then. And that verse actually ends, he is just, he shall surely live, says the Lord God. That was the Old Testament. Okay, it was always conditional, right? Um, so that's what we kind of where we left off when we were talking about that. And um, I wanted us to touch about Noah. Um, and the reason that we're doing this, as basic perhaps as it may sound, is because uh, we have to understand, we have to go back in order to come forward. Yeah, because we want to understand righteousness in its entirety. And so let's finish off with Noah. And so in the days of Noah, which was in Genesis, right? We're in the book of Genesis. And we know that a lot of things happen in the book of Genesis. And one of them uh, was Noah. And if any of us remember Noah, Noah was actually a man that built the ark of God because he believed God was speaking to him. Uh, God was going to pour down judgment on the earth because man was very wicked. Man was doing evil on the earth and God basically got fed up. And so he wanted to wipe the earth clean and have a start to a do over. And he chose Noah because Noah was righteous. Now, keep in mind, this is before the law came, okay? There was no law at the time. So then why was Noah considered righteous? Noah was considered righteous because he wasn't doing the same things that other people were doing in his time. And so he found favor in God's sight. And so we're going to read that in Genesis 6, verses 13 to 14. Actually, let's do 5 to 8 and then 13 to 14. So Genesis 6 verses 5 through 8 says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast. 
creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Um, then if we jump to verse 13, it says, And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And so we see here that God chose Noah because Noah pleased God. He had maintained himself from the corruption of sin in the then known world. Um, so, so one thing that I see that I, I, I picked from that and I'm, I want to I share it with you is that he, do, he didn't do what others were doing. And he decided to stand out from the rest. And so why that stands out to me is that sometimes when we are following God, we are going to stand out from the rest. And that is okay. That's okay. Um, because there's always a consequence for evil doing. Even though we may not always see it here on the earth, there's going to be a consequence eventually. Okay. Okay, so let's continue. Um, I wanted us to focus on those words um, in Genesis, uh, verse, verse 8. And it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We actually talked about this um, during Sunday school, uh, how our relationship with God is dependent upon our faith, our faith in God. The our faith level determines our relationship and then at, and then because of our relationship with God, so does our obedience. And so I believe that this is why Noah found grace and uh, pleasure in God's eyes. Every time uh, God told him to do something, he would do it. He gave Noah the directions of how to build the ark. Noah did it exactly and followed through. And we see that consistently throughout that. Um, in Second Peter, even though this is in the, in the New Testament, I'm, I'm still going to share Second Peter verse two, verses four to five. It says, "For if God did not spare the angels who sin, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness, do not to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, referring to Noah's time, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly." And I, I'm pointing out this verse because he calls Noah in the New Testament. This is after Christ. Noah was still considered the preacher of righteousness. So from here, we're going to see two things. We still, we're going to see that there is still a judgment coming, but the righteous are saved. The other thing was that, uh, that Noah was called a preacher of righteousness. He showed restraint, godliness. He was obedient. He followed God's directions. And so in the Old Testament, we see that obedience to God means a life. Disobedience to God meant a, a physical death. Okay. But today we have Jesus, right? 
So what does that mean for our today? That was then, what about now after Christ? So that's what we're going to do today. And we're going to see us today, our righteousness. Okay, the term, the definition of righteousness still stays the same. But how we are righteous today, there's a little, uh, what does I say, more? There is, um, it's different, it's different. Um, so let's get into that. So how do we today, as believers, have righteousness? It's just simply this. The way we as believers have righteousness is through faith. Faith. Our righteousness is in the faith of Jesus. It's because we believe that he is the son of God. We believe that he died for our sins. And because of him, because of what he has done, his blood covers us and we have righteousness in him. So um, let's take this a little, a little bit more here. We're going to go to the book of Philippians. And in Philippians, the book of Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul. And um, for those of us who don't remember who the Apostle Paul is, he was a Pharisee, an extremely educated man. When I mean extremely, I mean extremely. Uh, in our today, he would have gone to Yale or something like that. Extremely educated, knew the law, okay, knew the law of God, understood it, the commandments, the statutes, he knew it all. He understood it very well. And he was very zealous, meaning he was very passionate about the law. And he was so passionate about the law that he believed that the Christians of that time were actually blaspheming, that they were um, blaspheming God. And so because of that, uh, well, back then, at the time, his name was actually Saul. Um, before, after his conversion, his name changed to Paul. But he was stoning them and throwing believers in prison. He was executing them. He was ordering the execution of uh, Christians and um, throwing them in prison. And then one day, on the road to the city of Damascus, he meets Jesus. He meets Jesus. And I'm saying this about Paul because this is a man who was basically a murderer, um, persecuting, intimidating Christians, believers, because he thought that it was right. He did it in his ignorance. And sometimes we can live our life thinking that, and I mean we, I mean humanity, we can live our life thinking that we're doing the right thing for ourselves, for others, and even God. Until one day on our road of life, we finally meet God. We meet Jesus. And so after Paul's conversion, he went on to preach and encourage the early church and establish more churches around the known world. 
the same apostle that was persecuting, that had the same man that was persecuting the church now became an apostle of Jesus Christ. And this same man had this to say about righteousness. Philippians 3, verse 8 and 9. Verse 8 and 9. Philippians 3, verses 8 and 9. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Amen. So we see here that he says that not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. Now, we're not saying that the law was bad, but, the, but even God realized that the law wasn't enough to bring life to people. He knew that. But he had to have us understand the difference between wrong and right, which is why the law came. The law is perfect. And we needed something to help us differentiate between right and wrong. And so that's why we have the law. But Christ was the fulfillment of the law. Can we see that? Christ was the, what made the law complete. Because now that we understand right and wrong, now Christ can come in, his blood covering us, so that we become righteous, so that we can do right. And we're going to get more into that. Um, I know maybe perhaps it doesn't sound clear at the moment, but I, I pray that it does as we continue. The righteousness that is from God is faith. Okay, it's in our faith, in our believing that the work that Jesus did on the cross of Calvary works for us because we believe in it. It's believing that Jesus died for our sins, and that since he died for our sins, he washed away all the wrongdoing and anything that is unclean. Which is why the Apostle Paul could come from murdering people to becoming someone that wrote so many books in the New Testament, establishing churches, encouraging the people of God, you, we see such a, a huge transformation of a person because he met Jesus Christ on the road. And so it is for us, as we have met Jesus in our, in our life, that we come to this realization that we can have not our own righteousness, but a higher one, which comes from Jesus and this, this belief 
you know, washes away our sin, and it also cleans our mind. How does it do that? Because it makes provision for removing guilt, shame, condemnation, things that make us feel unworthy. God says, in me, you are worthy. No matter what you've done, no matter the mistakes, no matter where we are in life, we are worthy because we believe in Jesus Christ. So any thoughts, anything that comes to you or a person that comes to you to try to question your worthiness, we have the righteousness of God that says that we are worthy. The blood of Christ removes sin. The reason he does this is because he loves us, because he wants to restore a right relationship with him. You know, in Genesis, originally, Adam and Eve walked with God. There was no ceremony there was no he they just walked with god they spoke to him god spoke to them and they walked in relationship with god in peace and joy and fulfillment of life everything but sin destroyed it the entrance of sin which is why in noah's day there was so much wickedness but but god saw one man that refused to be like the rest and he chose him and Noah was obedient. And so now we have Jesus Christ and he's restoring that relationship that was supposed to have been originally from Genesis. And he's saying to us that I want to walk with you. I want you to walk freely with me. I want you to talk to me freely. There's no, no more need for, uh, you know, all the, no, I hate to make it sound like it was, it was, imp- it was not, imp- not important. But, you know, back, and I, we, we talked about this last week, you know, they would have to do sacrifices. They would have to bring them to the temple. They would have to buy them and bring them. They would have to be unblemished, depending on what the priest said. You know, then the priest had to, you know, do the smoke and before that person could be clean again. Today, because of Jesus, we can just come before him. We can just come with him, like just the way that we are. And if there is sin, if you come to God, if you if we are sincere, repentant, God, God can God, God will restore us, and God will do what He needs uh, to do in, in our lives. Let you know. Let's be like what Paul said in verse nine. It said that, and He was found in Him, and be found in Him not having our own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And be found in him. Let's be found in him. 
Amen. You know, God doesn't care how we dress. God doesn't care so much how we look like. He made us. He formed us. He loves us the way that we are. He made us the way that he wanted to make us. You know, I hear so much about uh, body shaming and, and, you know, people just wanting to do what they want to do and um, only doing some of the most craziest things on social media just to get people to like them. There is no righteousness in that. And I'm not saying that we're not on social media. That is not my point at all. Social media has its place and its purpose. It's a great way to communicate with people, especially about the word of God. But my point is doing things to simply get likes from people. This is not the righteousness of God. God doesn't want us to body shame ourselves or other people. The righteousness of God says that you are worthy and that we are loved. That we are worthy, that we are loved, that we are whole. Amen. And we can just come before him. Let's not have, you know, let's not be able to be succumb to the rules of societal norms. If, if, we, if we just do what society thinks is right, it will be to our ruin. The righteousness of God and following the righteousness of God brings life. And that's what God wants for us. God wants life for us. We are the righteousness of God because Christ's righteousness covers us. I want us to all be able to say that I am righteous in Christ Jesus. I am righteous in Christ Jesus. So you say, maybe perhaps you say to yourself, what happens if I sin? What happens if I make a mistake? We all make mistakes. We all, we all sin. So then what do we do? Where does the righteousness of God fall in that case? That's why we have Christ. We keep our faith. We come to the throne room of God. We repent, allowing God to transform our heart. And God is faithful to restore us. Why? Because of Jesus the blood of Jesus speaks for our, on our behalf if we believe in it and until the day he comes back for us. Jesus is our advocate. He is our advocate. Amen. So let's learn. Let's learn from this. Let's take it on. If you make a mistake, we get up. We do better. We make better choices. And then we also do it because it ministers to other people. The way that we get up from a failure speaks a thousand words to people. And we can say it's because we believe in 
God and we believe in the power of God. Amen. Amen. So God's righteousness, this is how God's righteousness plays in our today. How we become righteous, it is through faith. The next thing that I wanted to get into today, and I'm actually going to get into three things. So we were, we got into, um, I'm sorry, I should have probably done this before, but we got into how today we have righteousness. The next thing we're going to get into is the importance of righteousness and spiritual warfare. And then the last thing we're going to do is the fruit of righteousness. So that's how we have righteousness today. The next thing we're going to do is how does the righteousness of God have a place in spiritual warfare? So for that, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 14. Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 14. And it reads, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. There is a spiritual battle that takes place for our soul that we cannot see with our physical eyes. And sometimes some of us can wrestle with that because we like to see things we like to be able things to be tangible to us you know we can we can feel it we can touch it we can you know some things that we can uh um feel with our senses but the thing is that this battle is not something that we can necessarily always see with our understand with our senses I was actually talking to a young lady about Jesus Christ. And she said, and I'm sharing this story, I have a point to it. She said that she, um, she was, you know, I was going back and forth with her. And she finally said to me, she says she wants to investigate to find out who God is. That when she's able to actually see God in person and talk to him then she will believe again it's because we want something tangible and sometimes you know unbelievers have uh that that a lot more but sometimes even as believers we can struggle and the answer to this is that with the human eye we can't see we can't really see spiritual beings per se okay it is with spiritual eyes that we can see spirit flesh sees flesh 
spirit sees spirit. So the truth is that God, that this is the truth, the truth is that God is everywhere. John 1, 3 says, all things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. The spiritual eyes are open only through faith in Christ Jesus. If we have faith in Jesus Christ, then we can see in the spirit. Amen. I say this because, like I said, the fight, the, the battle that, is in, that that scripture is talking about is not a spiritual one. The war that is occurring is the war against our mind. And I'm not referring to the human brain. I'm referring to that part of your soul, which is called the mind. The soul and the human brain are not the same thing. The mind is where transcendent thought happens. It's our thought world. Okay, um, the human brain processes information and then our mind forms thoughts. What we think, what we feel, okay? That's our mind. And so this scripture says that our protection and our weapons in this fight are also not physical. So let's go back to our scripture and let's kind of... Uh, Let's uh, break it down a little bit, right? So we understand everybody's on the same page. So this scripture says um, that you just, okay, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the powers might put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So what are wiles of the devil? The meaning of wiles is schemes. Or method. As people of God, we should understand. We don't have to go deep into it. We should just understand that the devil has a method to try to get to us. And his method is to attack our mind. He likes to throw thoughts of unworthiness trying to intimidate us, try to bully us. Um, you know, they, we're, pe people can throw words out. But if we know who we are, then our mind can block it and not accept the thought that is coming from another person. What they think about you is their problem, not ours. And that's what God is trying to tell us here. And the way that we are going to block them is through the armor that is spoken here in this scripture. So let's get back to the wiles of the devil. So the devil has a method. And I said that method is to attack our mind. The purpose of his method is to ensnare us through. And I like how this author wrote it. So I'm, I'm quoting this verbatim. To ensnare us through temptation, threat, or intimidation, insinuations, 
which produce in us condemnation, doubt, fear, evil thoughts, and sometimes even depression. That's his motive. That's what he wants to do. Because he knows that when we are in, in this, when we are tempted, of, when, we are allow, when we allow ourselves to be intimidated, we allow insinuations to believe insinuations. And it brings us to a place where we feel condemned. We feel unworthy. We start to doubt. We are, we are fearful. We have evil thoughts and it brings us down a path of depression. And so these are the methods, methods of the enemy. And when we're in this place, we cannot go forward. We can't fulfill our purpose. We can't share Jesus. It's, it'll, it'll, it's so difficult. And that's what the enemy wants because he's attacking our soul. But God makes provision. Amen. And that's why that scripture says that our fight is not against flesh and blood. This fight, we cannot be victorious if we fight in the flesh. That means fighting in the flesh means we're vengeful, we revenge, we physically hit, we throw outbursts of wrath. We, we, we think that Doing what we think is right for us in the moment is what's going to help the situation. And the truth is that faith in Jesus, faith in what he has given us in our provisions is what's going to help us win. Amen. And so we get to that point in this scripture where it talks about putting on the armor of God. And it says, put on the armor, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. Your waist, have girded your waist with truth. And then I like how it says stand twice. Because having done all to stand, that means standing on the word of God. Standing um, on what God has spoken to you. Standing on your faith in Jesus Christ. Stand therefore, having your waist with truth. The truth of what? The truth of the gospel. And then it says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And it continues on. And because we're talking about righteousness today, I wanted us to see the full importance of the righteousness of the believer today and that role in spiritual warfare. That breastplate, what does a breastplate do? A breastplate doesn't allow things to penetrate. You know, that when a, when a soldier puts on a breastplate, it covers from here down. So if an arrow comes, it can't get through. And if we could imagine the methods of the enemy, those, those evil thoughts, those things that bring us down. He uses people sometimes to speak just negative words towards us. When those words come, those words are like darts. When they come, they'll hit the breastplate. And they won't be able to attack our mind. Amen. This is the imagery that is here. The breastplate of righteousness. If we know and we understand and then we receive the righteousness of Jesus. 
the wiles of the enemy cannot succeed. We'll be able to continue to stand and stand strong. We talked about that last week, why we need righteousness. So we need righteousness because we need to be able to continue to stand and press forward because God has more for us. Hallelujah. God has more for each and every single one of us than what we see right now. But what the enemy wants is to chain you, to keep you from it because he's scared. Let's go forward. Let's press forward. Let's continue to stand and be light of God. Let him, let him shake in his boots. Hallelujah. Let's put on the breastplate of righteousness. He wants to take you off course. He wants to sidetrack us by taking jabs out of righteousness. But let's, let's just continue to stand, not being distracted from our purpose in him. And hold on to our righteousness. And eventually, he is going to flee. He's going to run away. But I want us to be aware that he is going to try again. Because that's the enemy. He will want to try again. But he will still find us with the breastplate of righteousness. Amen. If we are someone today that is struggling to receive the righteousness, and I pray to God that we receive our righteousness today. And I believe it's actually a process. So we're going to get into that. So receiving the righteousness of God, if we are struggling in that, some of the things that I know that works, because, and I, and I say this not because I uh, I'm perfect or because I don't struggle also. I say this because when I struggle, this is what I do. And so these are some of the things. We fast and pray. Why? Prayer changes things. You know, we're doing that. Um, we're doing the Bible study on prayer for a reason. <clears throat> and it seems quite elementary but God is doing something powerful. That's what I believe. So prayer is going to be essential. And then if we're still having trouble, sometimes um, unbelief needs to be broken. And that unbelief is broken by fasting. Because when we fast, we become uh, more in tune with God in the spiritual realm. Especially if we do it with prayer. Okay? Um, we have to shake that unbelief off and sometimes that's how we break it. And so uh, fasting will definitely break it. And the second thing we're going to do is study the righteousness of God on our own. Meditate on it. Listen to preaching on the righteousness of God. Confess it aloud. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. And faith comes by hearing and hearing what? Hearing the word of God. That is how we develop faith. Because we hear God's word. So let's just stop allowing the enemy to control us. Put on the breastplate of righteousness and fight the spiritual warfare with the armor of God. And let's receive victory. 
Let's receive victory. Let's shed off the guilt, shed off shame, shed off insinuations from the devil. Let's shake off that heaviness this morning and put on the garments of praise. Actually, that is my prayer for all of us, that we will shake off the garments of heaviness this morning in the name of Jesus. And we put on the garments of praise this morning, Lord God. We put on righteousness this morning and we declare this morning that we are righteous. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 And that righteousness, we're going to go to our third point with the minutes that we have left. That righteousness will produce fruit. The righteousness of Christ produces fruit. Philippians 1.11 says, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Believers of Christ have salvation because they believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for our sins. And the way that we maintain it is because we receive the righteousness of God. This produces the fruit of righteousness. And the fruit of righteousness is the character of God. Yes. When we receive the righteousness of God for our lives, it produces right fruit. And that right fruit is God's character. God's character is one that is both a lion and a gentle lamb. He is a lion and a lamb. And that is God's character. We become bold as lions and gentles and we develop the gentleness, kindness, love, joy, peace, self-control. But we are also bold to do what God has called us to do, which takes courage. We develop the confidence of who we are in Christ and go on to fulfill the mandate that God has given each and every single person. Amen. Philippians 2.12 says, Dear friends, you always follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. I read that in the New Living Translation because it properly shows um, what it means. It says, work hard to show the results. The way that we show the results of our salvation is because we receive the righteousness of God and we understand it. Hallelujah. We understand it for ourselves. And that's why we're going through this. When we have that righteousness, we no longer succumb or are chained to what the world says is righteousness or right. We become free from people's opinion of us. We become free and light to follow after God wholeheartedly. And we begin to realize that the person's opinion that matters the most is Jesus. And Jesus loves us. And Jesus sees us as his beloved. And Jesus sees us as our, the apple of his eye. Amen. And since we develop this mindset, 
right? That we are righteous, that we are right. We begin to do right. Doesn't mean that we're free from mistakes. Noah wasn't free from mistakes. Abraham wasn't free. And that's the Old Testament. Weren't free from mistakes. Can you imagine us now? It doesn't mean that we're free from mistakes, but that we have the righteousness of God and we are not bound by our, we are no longer bound by them. We're no longer chained by them. When we develop the mindset of righteousness, addictions are broken. Generational curses are broken. Bad and evil thoughts are broken. Just because our parents suffered divorce doesn't mean we will suffer divorce. Just because there's mental illness in our family doesn't mean we will also suffer mental illness in our family. The more understanding, revelation, and the renew our mind with receiving the righteousness of God, the less we desire for the things that cause addiction and mental health issues and so many other things. That renewal shields our mind from mental health issues, from addiction problems, from generational curses. This one did that perverse perversions. It shields our mind from them because we begin to believe that we are righteous in Christ Jesus. And so we are liberated to do right. Amen. Can we see that? When we think right, it produces right result. I have a few minutes left. If a lawyer came by your home today and said that we, you were actually a prince or a princess and had an inheritance of a large, grand, rich estate, how is that going to affect your attitude, the way you walk, the way you talk, right? All that is going to change. You're gonna say that, you're gonna say that, wow, um, I'm rich. I don't have to worry about a lot of things. I have, you know, I'm a prince, I'm a princess. All your attitude changes. It's the same thing with righteousness. We our actions begin to change. It produces right things in us. It produces fruit. That's the what the, the scripture, John 15, 5 says that if you abide in me and I in you. You will produce much fruit. The apostle Paul says that and to be found in him. Let's be found in him. Let's receive that righteousness of God. Let's be in that righteousness. Let's put off the old things and put on this new thing, this righteousness of God, the breastplate of righteousness. No more intimidation, no more insinuations that God has given us the power to give us a sound mind and love. Amen. We are free from guilt, shame, embarrassment, and condemnation. We are the righteousness of God. Amen. This is where I'm going to end. Let's receive God's righteousness today for ourselves. Hallelujah. Let's pray this morning. Let's pray and close. Lord, I just thank you and I give you praise, Lord God, for your word, Lord. Your word says that we are your righteousness. And this morning, Lord God, we receive your righteousness for ourselves. 
and we shake off all shame, all guilt, all condemnation in the name of Jesus. We thank you, O Lord God, that we will produce fruit, Lord, that others will know that you are, you have all the power and you have all the glory, Lord God, through us in Jesus' name. May we be a testimony, Lord God, of your goodness and of your power, Lord, and of your love. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God be with you this morning. Walk in victory this week. You are loved, you are grace, and you are the righteousness of 